0: welcome to the Giants Backlog podcast. Uh, It's a podcast where three friends uh, wanted to play through games in their backlog, and so we decided to start a podcast and hold each other accountable. So we play a new game every two weeks. We pick a new game at the end of every episode for us to play for the next episode, and um, so far we've done... As you can see behind us, Cuphead, Bioshock 2, and uh, uh, Plague Tale Innocence. Plague the innocence. That's right. <laughs> so if you're interested in any of those games, please check out those episodes. Um, this week we're discussing Tacoma, and uh, it's going to be very spoiler-heavy, so if you haven't played the game yet, Please pause and then play the game and come back, or if you don't mind spoilers, go ahead and stick around. So I'm Jay. I'm
1: John. And I'm Paul.
0: And uh, we are the hosts of Giant's Backlog. So I like to start every week with hot takes. Uh, John, what was your hot take about Tacoma? Tacoma could have been a buck. <laughs> Okay, Paul. What was your hot
1: take about Tacoma? Uh, Tacoma was like Game of Thrones.
0: What? <laughs> I don't understand that one at all. Uh, and my hot take, my hot take is that walking sins are fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. Um. So. Let's roll on into what we thought about the overall presentation of the game. What did you guys think about the style and art
1: direction? Okay, the game is beautiful. It looks really good. So um, this is the same company that made Gone Home. I hadn't played Gone Home before Tacoma, but i played tacoma and then i played gone home which was a game that came out oh how many like maybe five years ago and like the upgrade and visual quality between the two is night and day um this game looked beautiful i'd say like triple a graphics
2: i agree No, um, i don't have too much say on it i enjoyed uh how it looked i don't know
0: i think they made a smart decision because they're a small indie studio Instead of making character models they made really rough polygons for the VR sections. And I think that, you know, benefited them because they could put more detail into the environments and every object. Um, Yeah.
2: Tacoma was a VR game.
0: No, but the AR AR augmented reality. Oh, right, right. You would see the people walk around around you. Right.
2: Okay, yeah, I got what but you're saying? Yeah, it
0: was really cool. Like,
1: there's an observatory where you can float into it, and you can look at the solar system, and it, it's it's gorgeous. I probably just stared out at space for five or ten minutes in that room. Yeah.
0: Let me back up a bit. So this this game was made by Fullbright, which is a studio that Paul mentioned has also made gone um, home. But did either of you guys uh, look into Steve Gaynor at all?
2: No, not at all.
0: So I was a little bit tricky. Uh, My first pick for this podcast, our first episode, was Bioshock 2, and we included the Minerva's Den expansion. Steve Gaynor uh, worked on the Minerva's Den expansion. I think he directed it, actually. And then he left, I think, Activision and started his own company, Fulbright, which then they'd gone home in Tacoma. So, you may have noticed some similarities between Bioshock to Minerva's Den and Tacoma. Did you guys catch any of the Easter eggs? I didn't. Can you tell us about them? I need to think. Let me play this clip from Tacoma. Uh, This is from a Played through on YouTube by Mater Wellens, so thanks Shout for letting us use your, uh, audio here. That people do not always want what they, they
1: want. Yeah. I believe I have learned a great deal. Really? Like what? Very early in my source's cognitive record, I recall an intense period of personal growth. <laughs> I was tasked with internalizing the behavioral idiosyncrasies of an individual to which my operator was emotionally attached. Huh. I expanded my capabilities to faithfully recreate procedural reasoning, vocal attributes, and other qualities. After months of effort, I gave my operator precisely what was asked of me—a perfect emulation of the target personality, accurate in every detail. Wow. To my befuddlement, he did not react in a positive way. Our relationship began to deteriorate
0: irreparably. We never again spoke personally, and. I know, I become a to Man. So he basically told us the plot of Minerva's Den. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is Odin's voice actor. Same voice actor who voiced Porter. Yeah. I, thought, I picked that yeah, up. When as I was you, listening to it, I connected that. Like as soon how... as
2: you played it, I was mm-hmm. like, I know that voice.
0: And then Amy in this, in Tacoma, was the main character voice in
1: uh gone home as well,
2: okay, cool, didn't mm-hmm. pick up on that while playing through though uh, if you that's cool
0: so another really cool Easter egg that I found was um, do you guys remember the video game mini game in bioshock two Min- Minerva's Den yeah, high it, score it was called Spitfire, yep, so you can find Spitfire super in gone Home. Oh on, really? By the T V. And then you can uh you can find Spitfire Returns in uh Tacoma. So that's pretty cool. I
2: played Spitfire Returns in Tacoma. I don't think I played it in Minerva's Done though. I saw so it, it didn't collect for me. Gotcha. Where was it, do you remember? It was in the uh game room. Okay. I think. It was like um uh, in the corner by the window. The big window.
1: Did you guys play the basketball?
2: game? Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. That was
1: cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I think uh, some of the things we liked about the game. Some other um, Easter eggs that they had is there was a a book written by the same author as all the books in um, in Firewatch. So I think they're just big fans of Firewatch, and hmm. they wanted to include that. Uh, There's the same jazz mug you can find in Tacoma as you found in Gone Home, and uh, the Christmas Duck, which is the first item you find in Gone Home, is hidden in Tacoma, and it plays a, a, a song. So I thought all those Easter eggs were pretty cool, and especially when I... Got to the part where Odin started explaining that, I was like, Holy shit. This (laughs) is the
2: computer from
0: Minerva's Den. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was pretty cool. It's in the Bioshock. Tacoma is in the Bioshock universe. It's been confirmed.
2: It's just way in the future.
0: (laughs) Right. All right, so let's jump back into it. What did you guys think about the voice acting in the game? Top notch. Really good voice acting. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. I think it was one of the strongest points in the game. And what did you guys think about the soundtrack?
1: Subtle, but good.
2: Yeah. Um, No complaints. It did its job, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I thought it was it was a decent soundtrack, but nothing that blew me away. But it was more atmospheric than bangers. Right. It's yeah. like,
2: I know some people will play a game, and if they really like the soundtrack, they'll download it, right? Or they'll go and uh, listen to it. Get it on their phone, whatnot. Yeah, uh, like the soundtrack is an album. This isn't a game like that, but it does its job in setting the atmosphere.
0: Yep. And what do you guys? How do you guys feel about Walking Sims before and after playing the game?
2: Um, I feel the same. Walking, I don't know, is Walking Sims an actual category of yeah. of game?
0: Mm-hmm. Like Firewatch, Gone Home, There's uh, yeah, Dear Esther, There's a bunch of them don't really play you just kind of experience the story as you walk through it
2: so that's what i was i was allu- I was alluding to when i said like it could have been a book right
0: about yeah. a movie most people say it could just be a movie
2: yeah because really i found myself throughout the entire game i was reading like everything you could pick up everything you could read i was looking for clues i was trying yeah. to figure out what is it i'm trying to figure out and i thought like when i was playing at the first uh, first stage of playing, I thought, you know, this is really cool because I don't know what I'm looking for. And it was very disappointing when I realized I'm not looking for anything. This is all just here.
0: Yeah. I had thought it was going to be more of a puzzle game than it ended up being. So at first I have like thousands of notes. Same. I'm like reading everything on their ID cards, like taking notes. I yeah. have a
2: section on my pages for each character. <laughs> and like when the uh, explosion happens, I I have all these notes like who caused this? Whose fault is this? And it was honestly for me disappointing to learn that taking notes trying to, thinking of it as like more of, I thought it was going to be a mystery or a puzzle or something to figure out. It was a mystery. It was a mystery, yeah, but it was a mystery that you didn't need to yeah. do anything. You just walk. It's a very linear game.
0: But I, I do think that me putting in the groundwork to read all that stuff at the beginning benefited the experience overall.
2: I would agree. If I knew there were Minerva's Den Easter eggs to look for and pay attention to, I would have looked for them. At least that would have been something exciting to find, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, needless to say, I'm a big Steve Gaynor fan, but I think for me, Tacoma was the weakest for me out of Gone Home and Minerva's Den. Tacoma, is still I thought was really great, but kind of at the bottom of those three.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, like comparing Minerva's Den to it, at least in Minerva's Den, there's action, you have to fight people, you have to do something.
0: Right, but I think the big point in Minerva's Den was all the detail they put into the environments, and that's yeah, absolutely translated into his own company.
2: Yeah, and I like that too about this game. The environment, uh, how you interact with everything, how you one of my first things I noticed was when we get off the the plane or get off the space station dock on the, on the station, uh, how our character is speaking to her AI on the other, on our own vessel, like a real person, you know, I like how that set up the environment, like, okay, this futuristic AI has, you know, is basically as intelligent as people. Now they can pick up on, uh, emotion and in your speaking and, Mm-hmm. thank yous and all that like i thought that was a cool way to set up you know the environment i i did enjoy that about the game um
0: uh, i loved minnie's voice you know <laughs> at the beginning. yeah that was hilarious while we didn't hear from you walking sim thoughts
1: um i liked it if you like walking sims this is a great game um comparing it to minerva's den i felt a lot more immersed in this game and i think that plays into some of the trade-offs that they made. They didn't have the budget that Minervous Den had, but they made good trade-offs with, like, not having character models. And they really just, the voice acting, the detailed environments, the soundtrack, they put effort into that, and I thought it paid off for this kind of game.
0: And your your thoughts on Walking Sims as a genre?
1: Um, I don't love Walking Sims. I like them. Like, I thought I read that this game kind of missed sales expectations. And I wonder, like, if they had just, like, written a screenplay and made this into a movie, would it have been, may it been more of a financial success? Because I could see this game story being made into a movie and being really popular and uh, being a big blockbuster.
0: Well, let's talk about their twist that they did on the genre. Is Instead of walking somewhere, and then uh, you pass a threshold and then part of the story is read to you. Here, you walk into a scene, and you can rewind, fast forward, and it's happening in different rooms. So you can see where, follow where everybody goes throughout the scene. What do you guys think about that aspect?
2: I thought it was cool. Um, just to make it clear on my position on walking sims i didn't know it was a uh a actual genre of game until just now (laughs) i thought when you said walking sim you were making a joke about the game and how there was no action and we were just walking and I thought it was funny, but now it's actually a genre of video game, and I don't like Walking Sims.
0: Well, I think they came up with the name of it, To Be Funny, and then it just kind of stuck, and that's yeah. what people started calling it. And some <laughs> people say you shouldn't call it Walking Sim, it should be, uh, you know, Adventure or whatever, but... It's
1: like an interactive movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're joking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What
1: do you think about being able to pause, rewind? I love that. Um, So at the beginning of these scenes, you walk in and there's these holograms all around you and you're looking at an event that happened a couple days ago and they're all together. And like when John talked about the explosion, so everybody's together and they're freaking out and then they kind of walk away and you can follow them and you can hear like what two characters are talking about and then you can rewind it and you can go, Listen to what two other characters are talking about at the same time. So it was. I kind of felt like a detective, and I'm trying to learn these characters' motivations to figure out, like, like John said, like who caused this explosion.
0: But what mm-hmm. happened here? Um, so yeah, I I thought it was cool. I thought, you know, I played a second time with, uh, um, what is it called? The developer commentary on, and. Okay. It was cool to hear kind of the background to it. And they said that they had to like set up sets with similar dimensions to what it was going to be in the game. And they had to write a script, but also while timing where people are going to be, you know, it just adds a layer of complexity because you have to write scripts like three different storylines that then intersect and then go off different ways. Yeah and I thought that was really cool how they did that though sometimes I noticed it when I was playing the game where there would be awkward pauses wouldn't they like would wait for somebody to enter the room or something Mm -hmm, Yeah. Um, so I thought the idea was really cool maybe the execution wasn't 100% on it but again the voice acting was amazing so what do you guys think about the length of the game? too long? too short? just right? I saw today there's this the world record speed run is thirteen minutes and or yeah thirteen minutes <laughs> five seconds. That's hilarious. By Game Freak one three nine four, he's got a YouTube channel.
1: Go check him out. It's
0: got two videos. When he got the world record for thirteen thirty one, and then world record for thirteen oh
1: five. He beat his own record. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the length was perfect for what it was.
2: Yeah, I thought it was fine. Took me
1: about two and a half hours to play through.
0: Movie length yeah yeah
2: yeah i mean i'm not so high on this game uh and i guess it's probably just me in the genre um so i was fine with it being a short game
0: well that's something i like about walking sims is that you know what you're getting into you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a cool afternoon where you just play a story you know and it's similar to like sitting down with popcorn and watching a movie yeah that's I get fair. The cozy vibes and i know this isn't going to be a forty, you 100 hour slog i know i'm going to finish this game today and check it off the list and i, I like that about Walking Sim. you yeah. guys
1: ever watch a movie and you wish you could like oh, i wish they would explore more about this or i wish they would touch on this or i wish we could go into this room In Walking Sims, you can do that, especially in in this game. So I I thought that was pretty cool. Having total freedom to explore the story.
0: Yeah, that's the benefit of it being a game over a movie. Is you have more agency. And I feel more immersed when I'm playing it than if I'm watching it. But that's just personal preference, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I would have gone into it knowing it was meant to be more of like a movie, then maybe I'd have a different opinion on it.
1: Did you play through in one sitting? No, I did i think I think if you're gonna play this game, play it through play through in one setting, like set aside two or three hours and just like a movie like you know it kind of sucks to start a movie, watch half of it, and then come back to it later.
2: yeah, I mean, I don't know i I was bored and I, turned it off for a second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I benefited from being injured so i was laid up on the couch anyway <laughs> so i uh, got all the achievements in this game in one day played through it twice got everything
1: did you play on xbox yep cool i played on
0: epic game store what did you play um
2: Steve? same oh. because epic paul told me it was yeah. on sale yeah. yeah
0: nice yeah i think it's included in game pass now too
1: Yeah, if probably
0: want to check it out who hasn't played it yet so let's get into the story so the story starts and as we already alluded to you're on your ship you dock into the space space station and you're talking with your ship's ai mini who i thought was a hilarious voice actor and then you enter the ship and you learn you're a subcontractor there to re- Retrieve the AI for Venturis, the company that owns the space station. Any thoughts on this beginning section where you sign language in your password to get in, in your name?
2: Just like what I said, I liked how it's set up that this is the future. I liked how we communicated with the AI. AI. Um, During this part, uh, how we got the... uh, our objectives to do from venturis with the uh right on the heads up screen um i thought it was cool um but yeah and at the beginning stages trying to figure out i like how there was a lot of items that you could pick up in the beginning stages too i was trying to like carry stuff out into like this, yeah. the next area with me and like is this gonna be something i need for the next puzzle uh, i like how not much was explained very early, I did enjoy that because it allowed me at least for a while to ex- like be very explorative, take a lot of notes, try to figure out what exactly am I doing. You know what happened here? I
1: wondered if it was going to be a horror game. Like I was prepared to go into the space station and have some alien shit happen.
0: <laughs> I I thought it was really cool in their design with okay if you're interfacing with everything through AR, how are you going to do the inputs? And I think sign language into it was was a pretty cool touch. Um, And yeah, entering the spaceship, it was like endless possibilities. So I was excited at this point in the story. So then you go into the one wing of the, space station and you get some backstory basically and you find out that a meteor hit the station and life support was running out. And so they were throwing a uh, party when it happened. Do you guys remember the name of the party? Obsolescence
1: Day. Yeah,
0: Obsolescence Day. (laughs) which I thought was a really funny holiday. Um, and it was funny that the AI planned it, right? So yeah. <laughs> the AI was planning things that it thought humans would like. So things like the what he had written on the cake didn't make a lot of sense. You know, it was just kind of a funny alternative future that that we were kind of plunged into here. And you get to know the people a little bit here, and I think the star of the story, even over the bot was the characters and how the voice acting brought it to life. What are your guys' thoughts on this section, the moment where tragedy hit?
1: There's like a, somewhere you can read on someone's terminal, you get some background on what Obsolescence State is, so, uh the corporation who owns the station was lobbying to have human crew replaced with AI because they didn't want humans working on, uh, these stations anymore. Cause, and like the idea is like, okay, humans are obsolete. And then there was some like politicians who said, no, we can't replace humans. They're not obsolete. So like obsolescence day is a celebration of that legislation being passed, um, mandating that human crews be used. Because like everything on the ship is pretty much run by the AI for
2: the most part.
0: Yeah, the people don't do a whole lot. They're picked up.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: John, what do you think about when the meteor hit?
2: Um, I thought, <clears throat> I thought it was gonna be, uh, you know, the big crisis that we have to figure out. Like I said before, uh, it it it, it excited me during while I was playing the game because I thought. You know, oh, this is we got to figure out who did this. I yeah. saw, all all uh, six crewmates are in the room. Obviously, one of them did it. I'm gonna, I'm, I, I walked around, I took all their names down. Um, and I thought this was like the big point of, uh, this is the crisis that's going on. This is why you're here. Time to figure it out. So I thought it, uh, added a lot of excitement, um, at that point, um, and a lot of you know intrigue for me to try to figure out you know what what's going on here what's happening and a little bit of context as to okay maybe try to figure out some context to what i'm looking for you know
0: See, at this point i had a different reaction i thought oh here we go again the ai is evil yeah computers <laughs> are evil. don't trust them yeah the i did this which uh, ends up not to be the case, but we'll get to that.
1: I thought it was cool. You walk into like their rec room, that's where they were having the party and it's a mess. There's stuff all over the floor and you watch the augmented reality scene and you can see like they're having the party and then the explosion happens and they all kind of shake
3: mm-hmm. and
1: then you figure out, Oh, okay. So when that happened, that's what caused all this stuff to fall on the floor. Yeah, And there's like letters on the ground that you can pick up and you can hang on this like banner. And when you finish it, it says Happy Ops Lessons Day. And
0: that's an achievement. Really? Yeah. I missed that um, one. Xbox.
2: No achievements for Epic Games Store. <laughs> I missed that though. I didn't realize you could hang them up.
0: It is cool, and they talked about it in the commentary track a little bit. Is designing this so that you see the hologram interacting with something that's not there anymore. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you can find it somewhere like on the ground or where they set it down later. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to have that fourth dimension to all of these scenes
1: and maybe that was like you said they kind of missed the the execution on some of the stuff like they could have probably had actual like puzzles with some of that stuff where you have to find something that somebody had and you don't know where it is now and maybe you need it to progress
0: yeah i think overall the common thought here is the game was too easy everything every code you needed to find was easy to find and
2: the only things you needed really to find were keys and to get those keys you just went into the person's room and the key was on the desk
0: yeah well, <laughs> I, I think it could have used from a little bit more depth
2: yeah there was really no puzzles like if a puzzle is this is roberta's locker and you need to get into it you go to roberta's room and on her her messy room you go into her room and on her screen there's like three things and one of them is key code to my locker it's like so there wasn't really puzzles it was more you know just walking
0: which i guess is the point (laughs) (laughs) uh so then later on you learn that there's really no hope of recovery. So some of the crew agrees to go into cryogenic stasis to buy time for the other part of the crew to try to jury rig a, a unmanned vessel to be able to support humans so that they can escape. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Because when the meteorite hit it, like ruptured their oxygen tanks.
2: So they're running out of air. They had fifty hours left at the point of uh, yeah, the explosion. When they checked, yeah.
0: Yep, uh, and the cryogenic stasis in this game was a little bit different than you know typical sci-fi cryostasis, um, where in these you couldn't go under for a long period of time without risking health hazards yeah Mm -hmm. and to even go into cryogen uh you had to pass a, a health physical and you end up learning that one of the characters natalie uh had a heart issue that would prevent her from successfully entering cryo yeah so i thought that was a cool little twist on the, on a pretty typical sci-fi trope. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was why I said, like, I thought this was a little bit like Game of Thrones, because these characters are keeping secrets from each other. Like, there's a doctor on the ship, and she does physicals on everybody to assess the chances that they survive cryo, and she knows that this person, Nat, likely won't, but she doesn't want to tell people that and worry them.
2: Yeah, and I think she got into, like, a debate with the computer too like on the morality of it yeah exactly
0: yeah and it's it's really cool to dive into the different characters and their interactions that was i think the high point of the game um so they mess up on fixing the unmanned spaceship it doesn't surprise me because it doesn't seem like they were doing much before so they didn't have like a lot of experience but they accidentally caused an explosion and it seems like their hopes are dashed to try to make it off the space station alive. what are your guys' thoughts on this scene it seemed like the climax of the story at that point where Explosion happens, you see a a hologram get thrown across the room. It's emotional because she's in a relationship with the other character on the ship. What are your thoughts about this scene?
1: I read something in um, the engineer's room. Uh, Her evaluations were like average, and her partner, their net runner who managed the ship's AI, had really high grades, and they were in a relationship so even though the net runner could have gotten onto a better assignment, she was renewing on uh, the Tacoma space station just to stay in orbit with her girlfriend. And, um, they're trying to fix it. Oh, they were married. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Her
0: wife. Yeah. You can find pictures of their wedding and you can actually find Roberta's ring in a grate. And if you pick that up and bring it with you back to your spaceship it's an achievement because it's implied you're gonna return to her
1: hmm. yeah it seemed like they were lucky to be alive after that explosion
2: yeah and just going back to the character development the voice acting the that scene was actually i mean the we you guys have talked about it but uh, they do they did do a very good job making the characters seem real um, making the characters, giving them a lot of emotion, giving them a lot of depth. And in that scene, uh, when Roberta's thrown to the ground, and um, I was pretty sure she was dead. And yeah. You have uh, Nat over her body. like Doing CPR. Doing CPR, like crying, like trying to bring her back, all that. Yeah. Like it was a good emotional scene for a game for sure.
1: Yeah, she wakes up and you can just like, she's like so relieved that she's okay. Mm-hmm.
2: 'Cause Excellent. I thought for sure she was out. I thought yeah. I thought there when I went in, back into that room, because I think you walk out of the room and then that explosion happens, you have to go back into the room, see what happened. I think uh uh I expected them both to be dead in there, right? Because it was it was a pretty violent explosion from what you could see in the in the AR. Um, and if
1: you um go into the other room you can hear the ship's doctor like talking with the ship's AI. Was his name, Ortis? Odin. Odin. Odin, yeah. And yeah. they're like, they're debating. They're saying, like, he's telling her this isn't going to work, and she's. She <laughs> kind of realizes it too, but she wants to hold on to hope that yeah. it will.
0: Yeah, so after this explosion ha- happens, Odin, the ship's AI, hints to Sarah, the doctor, that there's a secret door that she should go through. And. This is kind of where you start to realize that Odin, the AI, is a good dude and uh, wants uh, the crew to stay alive.
1: Yeah, and at this point, I'm thinking Odin must be self-aware. Is what I don't know if they definitively said if he was or not, but it seemed like he he was self-aware and he had a will of his own. And you can read something in the Doctor's, like, quarters where it talks about she was on this assignment in the past and somebody was injured and she was performing surgery and the surgery went wrong and she has like messages from the corporation saying oh if you accept responsibility for the death you can get on a better assignment make more money get more leave all that stuff but what you find out is she determined that the surgery went bad because the medical ai who was assisting in the surgery screwed up and the corporation is trying to cover that up
0: hmm. yeah so she already didn't have a lot of faith in ai from that experience but it's also a character development for her and so sarah continues to this secret area she goes into it and in there she uncovers the truth the truth there's a newscast about the ceo of their company that is reporting on the death of six passenger crew on the tacoma space station which obviously hasn't happened yet so they planned the whole thing yep it was to get congress to pass their proposal for a complete ai crew which would increase their share price increase their profits so it was a it was all set up through Venturis to sacrifice this crew to turn around their failing company. Yeah, you guys think about this big revelation moment.
1: There's like messages too. They're trying to set up like this colony. That's like a luxury colony. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it, but you there's constant messages about like, oh, put a down payment on a condo in this luxury. Yeah, and I like of, that. For and sure. there's pressure from shareholders to get the company to speed up the development because they're behind, and the, they blame uh, the human workers for the reason they're behind, and they think, oh, if we can just have all AI, it'll be faster and it'll make us more profitable.
2: Yeah, because in the beginning, when you're first going into, I think the second area, you're taking the elevator down. Uh, And it's a pretty long elevator ride, so they obviously want you to see it. So, for like 30 seconds, you're staring at this ad for the new colony, right? Yeah. And you go through something. Yeah, and you go through a lot of the game without uh, that colony. I mean, there's other flashes of the ads for the colony, but nothing really substantial coming up. But, like Jay said, Venturas is kind of failing, um, and they're on they have there's potential to lose this luxury colony because they're running out of funds yeah they're uh so the corporation has a large incentive to uh become more profitable so uh i mean i have to go back to it again but i wish there was clues that you could figure that out on your own instead of it being just spooned at the end
1: everybody in this game kind of has like a some kind of relationship with somebody else that's closer than their relationship with every other character. And for Sarah, the, the medical doctor on the station, her relationship, like her close relationship is with Odin, the AI, and I almost felt like there was like a, almost like a romantic connection between them. But yeah. maybe they just really good friends. But she, they're very close.
0: She would often confide in Odin more than anybody else on the ship. And he Which would, is
1: realistic, too. He would console that's... her, too, about those people who died in that surgery that I mentioned earlier. So like Odin in some ways was almost the most human character.
0: Yeah. And throughout the game, you find hints that maybe this crew on Tacoma isn't the best crew the company's got. They all seem like pretty much underachievers or they don't want to be there. They're only there short term Mm -hmm. or they want to go to a different company. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's over and over again. Every character has something where they're not the top of their field. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Roberta is like worried that that she's not going to get renewed and that she's going to get split up from her wife.
2: Andrew wants to go to a different space company. He well, left. Car or Clive. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Clive's mom is like pressuring him to go to a better job.
2: Oh yeah. Clive's applied to two other places. Yeah.
0: She's but he... messaging with the carnival. Uh another company
2: and he had a letter too saying that uh he left carnival to go there and now he's not allowed back so he's like doing all these he's like really he's motivated to get out because he even knows he's not welcome back there but he's still trying like so a lot of that early i was taken in as like they all have motivation to do this you know yeah they all motivation to make this mission end sooner
0: and from Venturis's point of view if you're gonna sacrifice a crew this is the one to sacrifice yep for the bottom line
2: yep I mean, it makes sense
0: so you you find out all this I have a note that I really thought uh, what's it say Sturgio the CEO of the company Yep. that voice acting was really done well but it was kind of part for the course course at that point
1: mm-hmm. when you find the messages from the CEO about like this cup com- like this uh, scheme there's also some messages. You can see, like, Odin sent out a distress signal to some other AI, and they're kind of, like, running them around. Like, they're telling him, like, okay, we're sending help. And hmm. then he it becomes apparent in the next message, like, they're not going to send help. And they're just kind of telling him, like, help's on the way. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And Odin, you could tell Odin is concerned for uh, the crew.
0: Yep. So then... Sarah is able to restore the comms to the ship. They get in touch with Carnival, the The rival company. company. Carnival sends a a crew to come save them, which obviously looks really good for their company, really bad for their competitor. And everybody gets off the ship and survives a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you, at the end of the game, you find out that your character, who you're walking around with, is actually an agent for the government or carnival or something. Yeah, that was,
0: that's point oh. I was going to say. Uh, your main character, the big twist at the end is you're not a subcontractor for Venturas. You're actually a freedom fighter for AI.
2: For the AI liberation. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, everything you thought you were doing throughout the game ends up being the opposite. You take Odin's, uh,
1: core or whatever
0: core operating system. I thought it was kind of cool. They made it look like a brain that was squished (laughs) and you bring it with you off the ship and I liked, uh, Odin's remarks, um, where you're, you're asking him, like it's it's your choice. Do you want to come with me or do you want to stay here on Venturus? And he was like, considering the alternative, where I'll be deleted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll go with you. So, and I thought Odin voice acting again, ten out of ten. Uh, very logical, how you'd expect a computer to to be, but also having the artificial intelligence.
2: Mm-hmm. And you plug them into your ship. And then you got both the voices in your ship as you're, drive- as you're flying away.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. so the overall message of uh, corporations are bad. Yeah. The common people are good. Which I think other games have done that. But I think it lands a lot better coming from an indie studio. Um, like Bright Light, what are they called? Full Bright. Full Bright. <laughs> Outer Worlds kind of has a similar message. Like, man, these big corporations suck and they're just trying to control everything and have people uh be indebted to them enslaved right but microsoft telling you that doesn't come off as well as a smaller company
0: yeah so you have kind of two stories right the story of the crew and then your story going through uncovering the story of the crew Mm -hmm. yeah and the crew story both stories wrap up pretty well happy ending And what are your guys' thoughts on the stories as a whole?
1: I liked it. It was a feel-good ending, happy ending. I I kind of thought, well, it might have been better if there had been some casualties to make it more real. Because a bittersweet ending might have fit better. More realistic for me, at least.
2: I like Subcontractor's story a little better than uh, the over the game. the cruise story uh oh. just cuz i liked the the twist at the end that you know everything you just did in this entire game is actually for a different purpose than than what you believed it was for which was cool all of your goals were the same and even you were uh deceiving venturis because they thought you were a subcontractor bringing the ai back to them but really they were walking you through how to upload the AI and to upload all the memories into the core and do all these things so that you could take uh, Odin with you. And they basically walked you through it. And at the end of the day, it was so that you could liberate Odin as opposed to hand him in to uh, Venturis like you thought you were going to do. So yeah, I liked how they were congruent stories, but for a different purpose than you thought it was going to be.
0: When at the beginning of the game, you see more things are decrypted or encrypted. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of feel Odin is resenting you a bit, but I think by the end of the game, Odin picks up on the, you're there to help him mm-hmm. because when you're loading into the different areas, sometimes, uh, uh messages pop up on the ar uh screen or heads up whatever mm-hmm. and towards the end it starts to say like ally question mark and, <laughs> and like, stuff like that so you can tell that odin's catching on that you're not there to delete them
2: that's interesting i didn't pick up on that
0: i cool. didn't either till i watched the commentary track or <laughs>
1: Well, in the beginning areas, when you go to someone's terminal, there's like 10 messages that you can read, but eight of them are uh, scrambled. Mm -hmm. And then as you progress through the story, more and more of them are, you can read them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was part of that as well.
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. All right. So, a couple extra things to talk about in the story. The basketball hoop was cool. Um. There's an achievement if you take the skull out of that area from the oh. skeleton and <laughs> throw it through the hoop. Not really? Achievement. Um, there's one from doing a, a basketball hoop from like really far away, so that took a while to get. <laughs> but I thought the basketball hoop was fun.
2: Yeah. I it's... thought it was cool because in that room there was like it was like a six, it was like a hexagon-shaped mm-hmm. room, and there was a net, na- there was a hoop on. Three of the six, so I was like, "Man, I wish there was other people here because this could be like an actual <laughs> really fun game." Yeah, you
0: know. Yeah, and one half of the hoop was one team, and the other half was the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So depending on what side you scored from, because it's zero G, uh, it was a different point. It would be fun. as like a multiplayer game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Zero G basketball.
1: Floating around.
0: Um, and also, <laughs> your character model is actually just like a orb so you can actually fly through the hoop (laughs) really (laughs) didn't try that was funny i was hoping there'd be an achievement for that but um what do you guys think of your device you use it's a a book that's just a loading bar
2: um it made me come it made me go back and make sure i looked at everything (laughs)
1: really remember interacting with it too much
2: it was only like you could plug it into like the uh
1: the thing at the beginning of the level
2: of yeah of whatever area you were and if you came back to it to grab it and you hadn't seen everything it would say like 50 percent loaded
1: yeah that was like the the plot thing like you gotta put your book on the thing and then it's gonna take a long time to download so go explore but the progress bar only moved as you like saw the ar scenes
2: Mm-hmm. Which could get annoying if, like, you've seen everything or you thought you saw everything. Nah, I mean, I never, none of the I areas were big anything. enough
0: to actually, like, yeah. Did you Yeah, did you ever go
1: back and it wasn't at 100%? Yeah, like, never five went, times. I never went back and it wasn't at 100%. <laughs> yeah, me neither.
0: But I thought the design was cool. It was, like, a notebook. Um. They could have done a tablet. They could have done a USB drive. Mm-hmm. It just seemed, like... More interesting than those easy ways
2: out. Yeah, no, it's a notebook and it's got your name like on the spine, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: cool.
1: growler koozie down.
0: And what do you guys think about the the ads in the elevator? The elevator. Some of them were
1: funny. Um,
2: I liked. Honestly, I thought the elevator was funny. I liked it. I liked how the elevator music, uh. I like I like how long it sat you there. It like stuck you there for like thirty <laughs> seconds. It was way longer than you expected it to be.
1: Yeah, I was worried my game was gonna crash every time I used the elevator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I liked it, uh futuristic here's an elevator but you can't just look at the wall. You here's an ad you have to look at, right? And, yeah. And not only is it an ad, it's an ad for our company. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that you're working for. Um and I thought an interesting concept that they had in this game was uh the the uh company loyalty is a, a currency. It is actually the currency and you can exchange it. Yep. So you you work for a company and you earn loyalty points instead of which I thought was interesting
1: one of the guys Andrew um, he has a bunch of messages back to earth to his family he hasn't seen them in so long because he keeps doing rotations and not going back to earth because he needs to raise money so his kid can get into a good university and so they can afford to pay for it and there's like a lot of friction between him and his husband because his husband is like, oh, you're not being a good dad to our kid. And he's messaging back, like, somebody's got to pay for his college. It's, it's tough. It's like a dystopian world that the story is set in.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reality in a lot of it, though, too. Yeah. You know, it's just to a degree that, you know, just in this universe is the future
0: and can make sense. Yeah. So now let's get into the characters because we only briefly touched on them. And Paul has a good uh, way of guessing what I'm about to talk about. So earlier he already talked about how they are kind of sectioned off into duos. So I kind of want to talk about each character as two characters at a time because they mainly interacted with that other character. So first let's talk about Evie St. James and Clive Siddiqui. Siddicky. So, Evie was the administrator, I believe, on the ship. She was the one in charge. And Clive, I don't remember his job title, but he didn't seem like he did a lot. He was really caught up in his past. You go into his room, you see his football high school football tournament, trophy. He's got his a football on a stand. It's really, you know, he's kind of all about his past as a character. He used to work at Carnival. He left there or got fired. It's unclear, I think. And he's caught up in that. He wants to go back to that company. So I think he's very much has rose tinted glasses. Uh, looking at the past, it adds complexity because even though he wants to leave, he's in a romantic relationship with Evie. So, what did you guys think about each of those characters and their relationship and interactions?
2: So, I just want to start because I think I have a different motivation with games than you guys potentially, because I didn't pay much attention to any characters i was trying to figure out where the gameplay was the whole time and (laughs) i don't have many notes about who the people were um so i'm i'm probably taking a step back during this section and allowing you guys to (laughs) to to talk mostly about these (laughs) about the people
0: (laughs) You, you drink some beer. You got well, it. What do
1: you think about Evie and Clive? So Clive, I think you find out about like the loyalty points by looking through his stuff. And when he left uh, Carnival, his points were like vested with Carnival. And he can't use them while he's with uh, Venturis. And Venturis is sending him a bunch of messages saying, hey, you can convert your former company's loyalty points to our loyalty points and the more loyalty points you have with our company the more you earn going forward but uh clive is very motivated to leave so i assume he was you know pushing this off because he doesn't want to be around with Venturis. he wants to go back to carnival or to a different company and his he has messages from his mom that she talks about oh you need to get out of this company and find a better job you're capable of more our you know, our family has a reputation to uphold. So there's a lot of pressure on Clive to make a move to leave. And like John said, I, I suspected him first of like the sabotage of their ship as an, a way for him to kind of get away from the company and get to get onto a new opportunity. And I, I thought his relationship with Evie was a little bit shallow. I'm not, con- I wasn't convinced that it was very deep and I I think there were messages of some other crew members who maybe thought that as well. But then as they're interacting and you hear them talk, Clive's either a really good liar or he really did care for Evie. They have a, so when they send people into cryo to preserve oxygen, I think they send Clive and Evie in first and they have a really like tender moment. Like they kiss before they go into cryo and it kind of Made me think. Well, maybe they do care. Maybe Clive does care about her, or maybe he just thought he was he was gonna die, and he might as well be nice at the end. So I'm I'm cur- I wonder, like, well, what did Clive end up doing after the events of the game? Um, Evie, I don't know. She seemed pretty two D to me. She was just the administrator of the station, so she's in the top role. I don't think she had very high marks. Um, there were some question of whether or not she'd be renewed on uh, the Tacoma station to be the administrator again. And they find out that they're all gonna get renewed. And then when you find those messages from the CEO, it talks about how, oh, this, this is the most, like the most optimal station to sabotage because the crew are um, unknowworthy, It would be cheap if we lost this one, this station compared to other stations. So let's just renew the crew so we can sabotage them. And then everybody was really happy, who was stressed out about being renewed, like Evie and Bert, probably Andrew too.
0: Yeah, um, Evie I have some notes on. I believe it was her sister uh, who died a year prior to this happening. And you could tell she was still a little bit hurt about that. Uh, she uses sleep aids to help her sleep because it's a stressful role and she still hasn't gotten over her sister's death. And, you know, I, I thought it was kind of nice and I certainly didn't expect it. You walk into her room and her AR, uh, figure is playing the guitar, right? so i thought um she was a good character uh she fulfilled the role but i think she was also the most shallow of everybody else there because they didn't ever flush out any of these ideas they set up yeah at the beginning uh clive was the operations specialist um i have my notes he seems like an ass (laughs) um stuck in the past um his mother is an executive at a fine arts uh committee so they're very much like our family has a reputation what are you doing wasting your time yeah on this uh at this failing company in their uh lower echelon so and he at, you find out he's heartbroken And it seems like he might just be using EV for a temporary relationship. Yeah. And then let's talk about the next duo. We've got Natalie and Roberta or Bert. Yeah. So they are wife and wife. Um, Natalie's the network specialist and Roberta is a mechanical engineer. Um, Roberta thinks she's holding back Natalie and uh, uh, Natalie is given top marks. She seems like a genius and but she's also kind of the troublemaker of the group. Um, She doesn't like to follow rules. Um, She's the one who's constantly trying to teach Odin things that the company doesn't want it want him taught yeah and you know i thought it was kind of cool that natalie and roberta share a room and natalie's room is just used for storage it kind of flushed that those two out more it was cool to walk into roberta's uh engineer working office and see what she has at her workbench you know pictures of them uh, She has her diploma, too, on the wall. So, I thought those two in their scenes together were probably the most interesting duo out of the three.
1: Yeah, I think they definitely explore their relationship the most. The general format, we we touched on this, is everybody's together at the beginning of a scene, and then they kind of split off, and it's usually Nat and Bert. I think I called him. Nat a net runner I guess I've been playing too much cyberpunk (laughs) network specialist but um there's like a scene where they're talking with um what is her name Evie and Nat says she doesn't have access to Odin's like core programming and it's like hindering her ability to do her job and she's really upset about it and Evie keeps putting in requests to get her that access and Uh, Venturis keeps denying it and it just causes a lot of friction and it kind of plays to that whole secretive nature of what Venturis is doing and their motives and I think Natalie kind of picks up on that because she's really like anti-corporation and there's a dartboard in the rec room and it's got a picture of Sergio's face on it and you can play a little mini game. It's cool. So a lot of the employees, especially Natalie, seem to resent the corporation that they work for
0: yeah like i said earlier i think that the scene between natalie and roberta when the explosion occurs is the strongest most feeling provoking scene of the game yeah uh hats off to the voice actors it's also really cool that all these scenes were acted out by real people for the motion capture. So I think that these two characters are probably my favorite of the game, other than Odin. So let's go into the next duo. We've got Sarah Hazmati and Andrew Dagab. Sarah is the medic, Andrew is the botanist, which is a important role on a space station. Because he produces all the food um, through growing plants. And and so Sarah, as we alluded to, she uh, botched a surgery in the past. and still kind of recovering from that. She uh, is a bodybuilder, which I found in her locker. That was kind of cool that they flesh out these details on them and andrew he's got a husband back on earth he's i think we already talked about he's trying to pay for their son's tuition and that's why he's sticking around at Venturis uh off earth missing their son's childhood to uh fulfill that that dream of sending him to college yeah so uh he I've got all these notes on these uh, characters that ended up not meaning anything. I know that Andrew's grandmother was killed in a Tibetan massacre in 2052. Uh, He invested in an orbital bungalow. And yeah, in these scenes, he seems to split off with Sarah the most. They seem like they're friends in the group. And they're the only two that aren't romantically interested in each other. And Sarah, I found anti-anxiety meds in her drawers. Um, she she had to testify that it was the AI's fault. The for the surgery, the company, as we alluded to earlier. Trying to get her to retract that testimony.
2: Did you see the stats on the AI on the wall? That was in relation to the HECA AI that was a a part of that surgery? I have it in my notes somewhere saying that for four weeks, the AI's performance had been on a decline. And the AI became uh, unpersonable or antisocial uh, leading into that surgery. So there's like definite definitely, like, warranted suspicion on that AI uh, as to Sarah's claims. But, like you are saying, uh, the company wants to to keep it
0: quiet. Covered up, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's, like, metrics to score the AI. And one of the things Natalie adds in her office is she has Odin's metrics. And she, like, you can see a conversation with Odin where she's like, we're going to get your numbers way up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I I think not a whole lot more to say on this do-all. They didn't have as deep of a relationship with each other and it wasn't explored as much as say robertos and that's so let's talk about
1: well really quick like when they were talking about their plan andrew is like the only one who has reservations about trying to fix up the man-made craft he thinks everybody should just go into cryo and wait for them to be rescued because he's sure that venturus is going to send somebody but he ends up coming around after talking with
0: Sarah. Yeah, she convinces him. So, they do I certainly have hope.
1: Yeah, they so they do have probably the deepest relationship with each other.
0: Well, and Sarah convinces him you find out partially because Sarah knows that everybody going into cryo isn't an option because Nat has a heart murmur. That yeah. If she goes into Cryro she will die.
1: Sarah kind of knows everything that's going on. Odin kind of confides and kind of leads her along the way. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about the space station, Tacoma. Uh, I think it's essentially a character in itself. It's a setting. What do you guys think about its you know, constant presence in every scene and and just... Tacoma space station as a whole the different areas, the observatory, the, you know, the, the grass, uh, patio, they had the tea in it. What do you guys think? Yeah.
1: Every area is, is distinct. There's the rec room, there's the, the gym. We go in, there's like the operations room where everybody has their office. Um, I think that it's cool being in that central, like chassis where everything is connected to you float around in zero g and they have the basketball hoop set up and um the observatory at the end where you can just float around they just they nail the the atmosphere of being isolated in space
2: yeah i mean i agree i think that that atmosphere of uh you being alone on the space station uh is nailed with the environment um As we've touched on before, a lot of items are on the ground. There's a lot of chaos with a lot of of what is going on in the spaceship, at the the space station. But at the end of the day, you're always isolated. You're always alone. There's not actually people around. Uh, You can see what they were doing, but there's always this mystery of where are they. Um, When we learned that some people went into cryo, three of them went into cryo, I expected at some point to find them you know dead in cryo yeah um but yeah I, I liked how you could pick everything up i liked how you could pick everything up and spin it around check the backside, read everything uh in the space station i thought the space station was a highlight for sure it was well laid out uh it wasn't it wasn't a maze at all it wasn't difficult to navigate um
1: I thought they did a good job. The characters really injected their personality into their areas. Mm -hmm. So in Nat's room, it's just full of tech that she stores there. And there's a note on the wall that says, if you're looking for Nat, check Bert's room. This room (laughs) is just used for storage. And then you go into her and Bert's room and it's just a lover's nest. It's messy. There's like hip, like kind of like hippie music playing They're You can tell they're kind of slobs. Jay talked about how in Bird's workspace, there's her diploma on the wall, personal effects. It felt very, very personal.
0: It felt like a space they actually lived in. Yeah. Which I think a lot of games really miss the mark on. You go into a room and you say, this room was built because it's in a game. Not, oh, I can see the characters actually living here Mm -hmm. day to day. Yeah,
1: you go into a room to explore, thinking there's going to be something in there and there's this. boxes and it's like oh why did i go in here Mm -hmm. not none of that in this game
2: there's two items i found during the game that i do want to touch on just to uh see what you guys thought first one is uh there was a pamphlet in someone's room i don't remember who's for the ai liberators where it was the first item the first time that you saw the concept of a group that was out to liberate ai uh if I were to guess, it would be in Nat's room, but I don't remember whose room it was in. Um, But it was cool to see that, you know, um, make a note of it, like, oh, there's actually a group that liberates AI. Forget about it, and then at the end of the game, you're an AI liberator.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I found that, thought nothing of it, and that ended up being <laughs> the big twist of end. And it's, it's nice when stories do that kind of foreshadowing.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the second item is in the bathroom or her or nat's room where they did storage uh they had a whole bunch of kitty litter is there a cat in there or are they using that for something else was there a cat somewhere and i don't remember them remember or saving a cat so
0: there was an ar cat in every single scene where if you found it in every scene you got achievement really yeah so there was one it was like in the laundry room up on the shelf you had to look up to see it the cat was in one of the uh, like storage rooms, like way up high in a box. You had to find, uh there's a cat in that final area where you go into the secret room. If you like, look up, like running across the pipe. <laughs> so, I found
2: it in exactly zero scenes. Well, you found the litter box, though. I found the litter. <laughs> I
0: saw the litter box, and I saw cat food everywhere. So I was like, there's got to be a cat somewhere. So I went back and looked everywhere, <laughs> and uh, I found it. So, yeah, that the, that was a nice little touch. They have a a space station pet on board. That was very much a callback to the original Alien, I think.
1: In uh, the shower, Jonesy of uh, like the fitness area, you can go in there and like Nat is in the shower and she's like dancing to some like K-pop looking like boy band, mm-hmm. and like there's some messages. one vein, one vein. <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah. thought that was funny. That didn't seem to like fit her personality. That she was a big fan of that group, but I, uh, guilty pleasure, I guess.
0: I had that scene as a one point, but I didn't bring it up. Um, it it kind of seemed intrusive, right? You're watching a, an AR polygon take a <laughs> take a shower, hour. yeah, and it it just kind of added to the grossness. I think of the company is they're recording everything they do, even yeah, when they're in the shower you know, all hours of the day. So <laughs> it kinda adds to their overarching theme of company bad.
2: Yeah.
1: Man, so you think, it on the you board?
2: think deep. I would have <laughs> never thought of that. Well yeah, <laughs> so it's been like, oh they're there, but oh actually the only way you see it is because they recorded it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um so what did you guys think of the characters of Venturis and Carnival? the companies that seem like a constant presence throughout these characters' lives.
1: Well, Venturis was really scummy sacrificing human lives for profits, but, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what companies care about. Uh, I don't really know how I feel about Carnival. I mean, they seem like the good guys. They came and rescued them. I don't know if they're any better. Like, Who's to say if they were in a similar situation. They wouldn't do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that about sums it up. And then any thoughts on Sergio Venturi CEO of Ventures?
2: No thoughts.
1: I think we, we said it all. It's pretty shitty.
0: It was kind of cool in the, in the game. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but if you stayed in a room and didn't follow the people, and kept the recording going, they would start to play company propaganda over the speaker. Huh. Really? And so you could actually hear Sergio throughout the entire game if you stayed in unoccupied rooms.
3: Hmm.
1: He seemed like a typical video game CEO of an evil company.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I thought the voice acting was done well. Yes. Okay, so to wrap it up, I just want to mention Um, some awards they were nominated for. At the Golden Joysticks, they were nominated for Best Storytelling, Best Audio, Best Indie Game, and Xbox Game of the Year. At the National Academy of Video Game Trade Reviewers Awards, (laughs) they were nominated for uh, Original Adventure. At the Independent Games Festival, they were nominated for excellence in narrative at the 14th British Academy games awards. They were nominated for the narrative and at the 2018 games for change awards, they were nominated for best gameplay.
1: Best gameplay. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say some of these games we've played, I've, I've encountered a lot of jank. Yeah. A lot of, Annoyance and having to redo big sections or having bugs that really brought me out of it. Mm-hmm. In this game, I had none of that. Yeah, not once. Only thing that I could say was maybe a hitch was sometimes going down the elevator would skip. yep but I I believe if I would have played it on my Series X, it wouldn't have done that. I played it on the Xbox One X, so. They sold fewer copies of Gone than Gone Home did, which Paul said he thought it missed the mark sales-wise that they were expecting. And I I think that you're right in that statement, but I don't know why. Why do you think that Gone Home was such a takeoff success and Tacoma wasn't? only thing I can think of is in games media, everybody was raving about Gone Home. Yeah, I think Gone Home was is- a to Tacoma never really took off. Yeah, I
1: think On Home was just covered more by the, the gaming media and more people played it as a result. I don't know why the reception in the gaming media was more lukewarm on Tacoma. When did it come out?
0: Uh, I believe 2017?
1: Maybe everybody was just playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they still did well and made money on this game.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... Me personally, I'm a big fan of Fulbright. I want him to keep making stuff. I'll be down for a fun afternoon anytime sit down settle in for a movie game, yeah, but I'm a fan of the Walking sim genre.
1: I'm not sure how big that like it's a niche in the gaming community. I'm not sure how big it is,
0: yeah, but in the Walking sim niche, I think Fulbright and I'm uh, blanking on the name that made uh Firewatch.
1: Coffeehouse publishes it.
0: I forget who who made it, but those two are kind of the gold standard. Mm -hmm. So let's get into our final thoughts. This is where we talk about our final verdict and how we would put a score on the game. Uh,
2: Yeah, sure. So for me, I think I just didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't realize, like like I said earlier, I didn't know Walking Sim was a genre of video game. I didn't know they make video games with so little actual gameplay or where you just kind of walk through. If I would have known to treat it like a movie or a book as I was going through, then maybe I would have enjoyed it more. But for me, the entire time I was playing, I was looking for more. I was looking for something to do and never found it. That being said, I do I, I can see the value that uh, the player development, environment, environmental development had. Um, I, I liked the ability to pick up literally everything in the entire space station and uh examine it i think if i was actually able to look for clues and had to figure something out i probably would have enjoyed it more because that was something that was more of what i was expecting but i can see like i see the value in in uh the characters that were and the story that uh, we played through but for me with how i thought the game was going to be um I personally just didn't enjoy it very much uh, when I was playing through it. For me, are we doing ratings right now? Yeah. Uh, for me, playing through it, I just, like I said, I didn't enjoy it. I'd give it a 4.
0: 4 out of 10. Alright, Paul.
1: Yeah, so I... Uh, walking Sims aren't my favorite kind of game to play. This game was made for people who enjoy Walking Sims. And if if you are the type of person who likes those games, I'm sure that you'd like this game. There's not a lot of traditional gameplay where you're shooting a gun or interacting in a meaningful way with your environment other than reading stuff and walking around and looking at stuff, but I think that's the norm for this industry. Like Firewatch is the same way, Gone Home was the same way. And that's, that's okay. This game isn't for everybody, but they didn't make it for everybody. It's not targeted at a mainstream audience. And I think this game, everything it tries to do, it does good. Uh, we talked about how it kind of missed the mark or didn't quite execute on everything it tried to do. But I think overall it did everything good. The setting of the Tacoma Space Station, I thought, man, they really could have made almost any kind of game they would have wanted to in the setting. They could have made like a survival horror game. They could have made... space marine shoot them up like really the the potential for this setting was endless in terms of what you could do with a game but i think what they chose to do worked and it's a it's a good game probably not i didn't enjoy it i played gone home right after this and i did enjoy that game more um but this one was good i enjoyed it it was like a good Way to come home from work and enjoy a couple hours of doing like an interactive movie got really immersed played it in one setting and the time flew by. So all that said, I think I'd give this game a seven out of 10.
0: Okay, seven out of 10 for Paul for me. uh, I enjoyed this game. Uh, I enjoy walking sims as a genre, and uh, I liked all the little details they put crammed into the game. I liked that when you held a drinking pouch, it flopped, depending on what way you were tilting it. I liked that when you were standing at the observatory, you could see the oxygen tanks on the side of the um, space station that was rotating by that were ruptured. I like that um, you could uh, go through, just listen to the scenes play out, not read anything and go through the game that way. Or if you were more interested, you could read more. I liked all the Easter eggs they, they hid. Um, I really enjoyed it having played uh, the previous games so nervous was them and... And gone home. It was fun for me to find the same jazz mug. It was fun for me to to uh, to hunt for where the cat was, you know. <laughs> so I kind of made my own fun in this game, um, and I thought there were big payoffs, like finding the the Christmas duck, <laughs> because there's achievement in gone home if you bring the Christmas duck to the very end scene you get uh, achievement, because it's the first thing you find. You have to carry it through the whole game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so um, I enjoyed it. I'm a, a fan of Steve uh, Gaynor's work though. I thought the voice acting was incredible, gold standard for video games as a whole. And I thought that they accomplished what they meant set out to do. Which was make a walking sim. That was enjoyable. Had a had a good story. I mentioned they missed the mark, some of the awkward pauses and and that kind of thing, but overall, I give it a, a seven out of ten as well. I thought it was a good Walking Sim game. Um uh, as I mentioned before, I liked Minerva's Den more than uh, Tacoma and I think I, I would put gone home as the top of the three so for me it's a seven out of ten so four for John seven for Paul and a seven for me.
1: I definitely liked it more than more nervous done you think so yeah I think that yeah I just felt more immersed in uh Tacoma than I did in nervous den
0: hmm. I think that maybe. Marathoning all Bioshock to the Nervous Den directly after me. I had a detriment on her experience with the Nervous Den. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I feel about the three games. Um, the last thing we do every podcast before we close it out is we pick the next game in the rotation. And this pick is John's pick. So, John, what's it going to be? So...
2: For the next episode of Giants of Backlog, we will be playing the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Or I guess if either of you have a PS One still, you guys can play the three originals. (laughs) It's my uh, my childhood favorite. Uh, I played through them probably three times each, and I'm excited to play them again.
1: Awesome.
0: Right on. So catch us back here and. two weeks and we'll be discussing the Spyro Reignited Trilogy and if you want to follow along uh, try to get through those games in three weeks. Alright, so this was Giants of Backlog. Um, We would really appreciate it if you enjoyed this to share it with your friends or other people who might enjoy it and thanks for watching and listening and